do nothing. But why well, don't you, uh, Dylan, think... being being close to this project, why don't you give us a nice little intro? Okay. Uh, yeah. So Brian and I are sitting today talking to Brandon Troller, the director, writer, artist behind CC Sonata, which was my first project I worked on back in the States, moving back to the States, which is kind of cool. Two seconds. How do I change my name? So I'm technically going by Brandon T. Bailey. <laughs> Brand. Oh, like sorry. All right, Brand. Like a pretend, like a pretentious asshole. <laughs> a film by Brandon T. Bailey. What? Brandon T. Bailey presents CC Sonata. Why are you going by Brandon T. Ba- Bailey? You. Uh, there we go. My it's uh my mom's last name Bailey. And, uh, uh, yeah, she uh. She was really the heart and soul of, uh, you know, my support system. So she, uh, yeah. yeah, owed to her. She the- she deserves it. And uh, also with the whole Let's Go Brandon thing, my last name is kind of like the worst pairing for my first name in the world right now. <laughs> What's the Let's Go Brandon thing? That's so like a big- conservative prop. Uh, troll. Uh, yeah, like basically a, a conservative troll. Yeah, it's, it's like saying fuck Joe Biden without saying fuck Joe Biden. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 Comes, so well, and it came from a NASCAR race, <laughs> which is the funniest part. <laughs> Where yeah, did there, there was some report? I, I can say the like there was some reporter interviewing some guy named Brandon who uh had just won a, a race at a NASCAR thing, and the crowd started chanting fuck Joe Biden in the background. <laughs> and then uh the reporter tried to spin it in to say, oh, the crowd's chanting, let's go, Brandon. So then everyone went nuts with it. And uh, yeah, you have like people like Ted Cruz out there tweeting, let's go, Brandon, all the time. So, Oh, my God. I was going to ask. I've had, I've had multiple people literally think that my last name wasn't real. Like, I, <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny. Oh, yeah. No, now I get that. Yeah, Brandon Troller. That is funny. Uh, Brandon T. Bailey, then, folks, is the T for Troller <laughs> for your middle name? Yeah, yeah, it's for for Troller. Nice, that's crazy. I was gonna ask where people come up with those types of like, I don't know, pop cultural things. Like, let's go, Brandon. Like, I because I don't even know where that shit starts anymore. I don't. I'm not even in the loop. I don't pay attention to any of that stuff. A lot, a lot of it has really weird origins. Like, there's so many memes that are get that get created, and it's literally just like someone made it with little to no context behind it and people just went with it yeah like I mean, where's like, where does oh go ahead it's like anyone like uh you know the michael jordan crying meme just like random pictures that people thought were hilarious and people keep uh tweeting and tweeting and tweeting until uh it becomes yeah. more uh more common than than the english dictionary right <laughs> i feel like my whole my whole brain is filled with such useless information that i don't have the i don't have the the uh, bandwidth or the space, the RAM, that's what it is. The RAM in order, in order to, to fit all that like, stuff. Like how, you know, all the major plot points to Jaws 3DD. Yeah. Or like, I mean, <laughs> every I think single, honestly, every single birthday, every single celebrity's birthday. Yeah, that was, that was what, <laughs> how, how many, how that, many, uh, ter- that's what I was going to ter- say. How many terabytes of uh, data does that take up? Dude, I think it takes up my whole brain because I can't remember Tuesday <laughs> sometimes, but I can I can remember like all the back birthdays of actors and like years of release for films, including movies I just don't like very much. But um, 
Like I like where does like yeah this movie like... sucks. It was released uh, in two thousand seven though. Fun fact <laughs> on, on on a Wednesday actually. <laughs> what the like where do like things like I mean I guess damn Daniel's not relevant anymore. But where did that even come from? Where does that, that even vine. start? This this high school yeah. kid just kept saying that when his friend was wearing uh like shoes like, and he it was just like, like a pair like, of Vans or something. Yeah, white Vans. Jay Z right. even made a has a line referencing that meme. Really? Yeah. And you, yeah. you had that uh that yodeling Walmart kid uh who uh, uh yeah. you know the the Lil Nas X song uh oh, Old Town Road. Old Town yeah. Road Old Town Road, yeah. So he's on the remix with a young thug. Exactly exactly. <laughs> he's uh some, some little uh, some little dude who was uh some like ten year old, twelve year old yodeling in Walmart got memed around the internet and so yeah <laughs> young thug and uh little nas x are like yeah let's bring him on a track <laughs> he even I, I i can't remember if it was south by southwest or coachella or none of the above but he even like was had, had a brief set on one of those stages like the year that he was popular that's wild that's wild Never do you think there's a again. do you think there's a science to doing something like that that gets you famous yeah be kind of unhinged and unaware of what you're doing and it'll pop off that's wild and be around a bunch of people who have no idea what you're doing too if it seems like it's set up then no one's gonna like it it's got to feel like oh this is just some random dude or do that like doing their thing in the world it sometimes feels it dishear- disheartening because i'm like damn i guess it's so easy to get famous is just film your friend's shoes but that's also like your 15, 15 minutes of fame, you know, like you put so much work into a story or to a script or like a project. And then like, you just have a bunch of these assholes who are like disgracing, disgracing media, <laughs> man. It's like celebrity jeopardy. I don't know if you guys have watched that, but it's atrocious. They don't yeah. respect, they don't respect the game, man. They don't respect it. I was, I had high hopes like, for what Reggie. happens. Like I watched an episode with Eliza Schlesinger and uh, Reggie Watts, and then uh, some some chef who was wearing indoor sunglasses during the game. Like already yeah, just disrespectful. No, no. Um, but like I had high hopes for Reggie Watts to tr- t- treat it very seriously. But like Eliza Schlesinger and him just keep cracking jokes, and all the the questions are super. Oh, the easy. comedians. Yeah, yeah. But like, take the game seriously. <laughs> take it seriously. You know, that's to me that is a perfect example of these these like little i don't know minute like, famous famous people and then true true artists I, i'd, I'd I love mean, to back you up on that but like any sort of celebrity game show no matter what the what the original game is is meant to be pure and fun entertainment yeah porn it's no, not even corn i said porn. Porn. yeah but like it, it was never meant to be like Oh, let's see how smart Reggie Watts is. It was going to be like, let's see what he would do if he was on the Jeopardy stage. All you I'm ever, saying it. You've ever seen Bojack? Oh no. yeah, love that you know, show. That uh, that uh, that episode where it's uh, uh, Harry Potter guy Daniel Radcliffe oh, yeah. comes on and has a Jeopardy game show with Bojack. I mean, most of those things are just kind of set up, set up. <laughs> but it's basically just like the legit. It's almost exactly like the snl skit celebrity jeopardy it was almost no different than the actual skit of celebrity jeopardy well, except for all we know that was the intent that's embarrassing man it's just embarrassing 
I'm all and, for like the entertainment of it, but don't disrespect the game. Yeah, I will say like something like Celebrity Family Feud works better than a Celebrity Jeopardy. Yeah, because Steve Harvey's the man, dude. He is a man, that is for sure. No, yeah. Steve Harvey. Look at all the awesome. buttons on my suit. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely I'm, a character. I love Steve I mean, Harvey. Uh, does, does he ever act? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was more of a stand-up at, uh, comedian than an actor. He had his own sitcom, the Steve Harvey Show. I used to watch that as a kid. It was him and Cedric yeah. the Entertainer. Yeah. I guess I gotta get my Steve Harvey. Lord it was. It was on. He's in the it, Kings of Comedy like documentary that Spike Lee made. Don't you guys remember like early mornings, like before school? Did you ever watch like TBS? Like they would play old Saved by the Bell reruns or like Married with Children reruns. Mm-hmm. And then right. every year that when uh-huh. I woke up from school, SpongeBob would be on repeat for hours. <laughs> you're you're about you're we're all the same age. So I'm sure maybe you just didn't watch TBS. But like That's TBS not. would do like well, yeah, he was watching Nickelodeon. Sitcoms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh tbs would do all the old sitcoms and like every year they'd cycle new ones so the big ones they had was saved by the bell and married with children and then one year they did the steve harvey show and i would get really into it like 6 a.m reruns of the steve harvey show where he plays a teacher it's very strange now that's funny yeah i think he's a jazz teacher i think he's like a, a high school jazz teacher or something <laughs> so Brandon, like, did we uh, tell you? It's like the cartoon class of 3000, Andre 3000's <laughs> uh, animated show on Cartoon Network. He was the music teacher, and they went on these fantastical adventures for music. Really good show, underrated. Did, did I tell you, Brandon, that the creator of SpongeBob went to my high school? No. Wait, what? Yeah, dude. That's... Yeah, dude, I'm That's... not kidding. The marine biologist? <laughs> no, 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 no. Like one of the creators of SpongeBob, or maybe one well, of the writers of SpongeBob. Or... Yeah, the marine biologist. But they used to brag about it all the time. Steven Hillenberg? They used to brag about it all the time at my high school because the my physics teacher was the main inspiration for Squidward. And if you ever met that guy, (laughs) there was no doubt in your mind that that guy was Squidward. He would play the clarinet (laughs) and he he sounded like he constantly had a cold. (laughs) Mr. Definitely wasn't the creator because he's from Oklahoma. Yeah. Hold on. Let's see. That's pretty wonky. That is hilarious. I'm going to Google it for you guys. That's a, that's a show that really went downhill after, uh, season four. What happened? I never liked it. (laughs) I mean, it It was, it was, it was witty in the beginning, but then. Yeah. It just kind of like went into dove into, I don't know, the, Annoying the parts, the, Dis- the Disneyest, Disneyest yeah. of it all. The I mean, Disneyest. Well, I mean, they're just like, you know, giving sexualities to all these characters now that kind of annoy me. Like, I saw something recently that said Velma's Velma's gay, and I think I think, I t- I think SpongeBob's I, SpongeBob's gay now too. Or yeah, like actually, like confirmed. Yeah, I think it's, so. It's been floated around the ether. I mean, there is. Uh, there's always rumors because it had gay overtones. I had, yeah. I, I think that's kind of funny. Had, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, the, 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 there was always that uh, that weird uh, little rumor going around that SpongeBob, Patrick, and uh, Squidward were all gay for each other. They were all uh, in some. Uh, SpongeBob makes more sense to me. Like the whole yeah. Velma thing, I thought was really funny because I was reading some like the comments on it, which you should never do. But one guy, Brad, did I tell you this? One guy's comment was so funny. was just like, 
it said like confirmed Velma's like uh, sexuality because like in an episode she has like a crush on a girl and this dude responds y'all don't know how many world problems you solve by doing this <laughs> like just like like the most like because it's a kid show dude who cares it's also a show about mysteries it's not a show about like love and at all like identity besides yeah, I mean, the I'm, identity of the monsters I'm, I'm all i'm all for uh you know sexuality being expressed however you want it in <laughs> an appropriate way but for shows meant for like you know six seven eight year olds why does there need to be heterosexuality or yeah why like like, we're almost a lesbian (laughs) (laughs) dude yeah there's just they don't even know they don't even know what it's about it doesn't matter like it just doesn't matter you know i mean i i I guess you could say that you know like the scooby-doo movies the james gunn scooby-doo movies there is that's james going on yeah yeah dude that was that was his first big movie Wow! Dude, I just to, uh, I just watched how the far has he... <laughs> for the first time in a long time uh, last week, and it is a trip. How yeah. how, how far Dude. have we come? <laughs> Dude, th- 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 those those are two of the the most unheralded uh, childhood movies. I mean, so 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 good in the best and worst ways. I mean. It, they were kind of yeah. just they were so weird dude the first one where it's like scrappy's the bad guy is so yeah. unbelievably <laughs> weird and the the, the cgi yeah. is horrible oh, oh yeah so, so bad. bad isn't it rowan atkinson in there isn't that yep. rowan? yeah in the first yep, one dude. yeah there, there's a scene at the end of the second one um where they're like they're dancing i think it's right before the credits like the end credits and you see Seth Green's character trying to like grind with Velma from behind, but he totally misses and she walks away. And so he has to improvise, like doing a different type of dance to play it off. <laughs> Who does Seth Green play in that? Uh, one of the bad guys. He you don't know that till the end. Yeah. Damn. Kind That's... of. No way. No, no, but then he ends up being a good guy. Yeah. Then he ends up being a good guy. he's a fake he's a fake bad guy because he's i guess into the mysteries as well something like that he was sketchy and but then yeah so like i guess you have somewhat romantic relationships in those movies so i guess it's not like totally totally out of the form yeah it's not it's not all uh out of the realm of you know i guess fair to have there be homosexual relationships and stuff like that but in a movie like, like that it makes sense but yeah. in a cartoon show that's episodic and doesn't have like a yeah. general you know overarching story 100 percent. what yeah, about like, um the Sponge, new... spongebob makes less sense in that respect then that is true but i don't think anything was ever confirmed with spongebob it's just like theories that got like yeah. you know became like the norm did you guys I'd, hear about? I'd be I'd be all for an an adult, uh, you know, X-rated uh, SpongeBob was. Quick, that was originally but... that was originally the plan. Was originally to be an adult I've, swim show. I've, yeah, I've heard I've heard that a million times, and I tried looking it up, and I don't know about that. I think that might just be an old wives' tale. Might be. No, it, the... it's true. The, the his original pitch was that it was going to be an adult cartoon, <laughs> and there was something about either no one. I don't think it was getting greenlit. Um, or people didn't really like the pilot that he made. So then he changed it to a kid's show and the Nickelodeon picked it up. That's wild. 
Did you guys hear about the new uh, adult version of Scooby Doo coming out? The Mindy Kaling show? No, no. H- really? HBO Max is releasing a show called Velma, and it's an adult Scooby Doo show be- before the gang meets. Like how they meet. Scooby Doo is not in it, but all the other characters are in it, and it's and it's based. The point, then it's based well because the show's called Velma, and the like. It's an adult show. the The first couple shots that were released, they did like a little like teaser release. Um, shows like some kid's head severed in half in a in a locker room, and it's in a girl's locker room, and all the girls are just fully naked, including Daphne, with just like soap on like her all her private sides. Why? I have Art. no idea, dude. Google who, it. Google who, it. Who who decided this was a good idea? I mean, what are Jimmy, we gonna do next? Jimmy Kimmel? Is that what you said? No, I was about to say, J- J- Jamie, can you pull the clip up? Oh. <laughs> Jamie, pull the clip. <laughs> I'll I'll pull it up for you really quick, and I'll share my screen. That's what I'll show you guys. Wait, wait. There's no way. I mean, that's 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 like if I mean, I guess Hannah Montana became just Miley Cyrus's, uh, you know, full <laughs> soap, but. That's weird. Yeah, dude. I'm like, I'm not sure how. Yeah, I don't really understand why it's been a trend to make darker, more adult versions of old well, like kid you know, shows. iCarly I, I kind of started that, right? With the new iPod. But, that, but yeah, is that really an adult show? Is that really an adult show? I mean, it, ju- it just has universal humor. Yeah. So does Drake I mean, and the, Josh. Oh, no, like the new the new iCarly. Oh, the new. Uh, I haven't watched this. They made a, a new iCarly with them, but now they're all adults, so it's like a little more adult, but it's not like X-rated HBO House yeah. of the Dragon stuff. Yeah, I, yeah but I'm talking either. about like like Riverdale took like Archie comics and made them just like insanely like dark and stupid. Adult. And then like they're doing the same, they tried to do the same thing with the Powerpuff Girls, but that's like bombing, like when it's in development. Oh, it's not even out yet, Brian. You no. disabled you disabled uh, screen, screen sharing, sharing, so you have you have to do it. Oh, I sent, no, I, no, what do I, I appropriately that. type in? Uh, no, I I sent it to you over your. Uh, I sent it to you on uh, text. Oh. Are we gonna I, Are we gonna make a, a Power Rangers uh, dark gritty epic? Oh, it's next? animated. <laughs> yeah, it's animated, dude. It's fully Jesus animated. Jesus Christ. A Rangers show would also be kind of cool, actually. Oh, what? Because I'm, I'm not going to lie. I fucked with the Power Rangers as a kid, dude. Yeah. Did you know it's that? All the pa- yeah, who didn't? All the Power this Rangers. Yeah, dude. Isn't oh, my that God. Nuts? Why? No. Ew. Yeah. That's, that's just so... Yeah, that's that's pretty uh, pretty disturbing. So, yeah, know, it's, kind of, uh, it's like... I don't, know, I don't know who decided that was anywhere near a good idea i I don't know i feel like the whole idea of showing daphne naked is like this like weird like main decaling is edgy so we're gonna show like the one that like you know the girl that all the guys had crushes on when they were kids they just didn't want a minute we're gonna show her naked in a cartoon so guys can like it we're like uh carlson will uh get into it (laughs) he is the horniest man when it comes to cartoons he wanted really? the green. What? Yeah, he wanted the green M M&M and M to still be sexualized. Like he was so oh, upset when they like removed her heels and gave her just like sneakers. He got all up in a tizzy. I think about uh, a tizzy. The, uh, he got up into a tiff when the when Paul McCartney's <laughs> daughter was like doing re in reimagining Minnie Mouse for like a week at the Disneyland Paris um, for like a like a women's like month or like for women's uh i forget the proper term sorry um but they put her in like a pantsuit instead of like 
her skirt and like that drew up a bunch of controversy but it was temporary too it wasn't a permanent change but it's just it's and though he also got pissed off about lola bunny not being sexy anymore in space jam too (laughs) he likes hentai what can i say he's probably a huge fan of uh of raven from from uh Teen, Teen Titans, Titans. Then. yeah. Dude, that, 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 that's, Take that off. <laughs> that's why the political nature of this whole discussion is so ridiculous. I mean, uh, t- Tucker Carlson would be the same guy who would flip a casket if they officially made SpongeBob gay. I mean, yeah, flip just, a casket. It's just, it's just, it's just wack. It's just wacky all around. I, I mean, both both sides of this, in my opinion, are just out to lunch. You know, just stop. T- t- Tucker, uh, what are you shopping for there, man? I'm, I need a casket. It's the death of SpongeBob. <laughs> man, the first, like, following that announcement, the first, like, 20 seconds of his uh, following show on Fox News, there's just a casket in the middle of the studio, and he just flips it. I'm pissed. <laughs> his show, yeah. that that would he'd be getting closer to Eric Andre if he... Started out like that, just smashing shit. Smashing More isn't, he, isn't he? Isn't he already? Isn't he already there? I think he's. <laughs> he's pretty much there. The conservative Eric Andre. <laughs> the conservative. Yeah, one would call Tucker Carlson the conservative Eric Andre. <laughs> Have you seen uh, Eric Andre at the Republican National Convention? Oh it's yeah, Jones clip. It's so oh good. Oh my god! So I love. They think he's Trevor Noah. We got the Daily Show here. <laughs> no, I'm not the Daily Show. I'm from MySpace. <laughs> I have not seen that. Here's here's my here's my key. I want you to fuck my wife. <laughs> Seriously, Dude, my when he was room. when he was walking out, someone yelled at him, "You're not Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> You're not." And he started crying. He started he started crying. <laughs> he was wilted to the floor. You're not Martin Luther King Jr. Jesus. He went up. He went up on stage and uh, with Alex Jones uh, on the stage with like I don't know, maybe a thousand people there. Yeah, starts screaming in the microphone. Uh, Why is my pee yellow? <laughs> <laughs> Just absolutely taking the piss out of Jesus. Out of start the conservative assholes. I mean, <laughs> I stopped watching Eric Andre when I saw him shove his hand in a blender and i was like i can't watch this anymore the man. This smoothie just... prank <laughs> yeah great. oh man it's it a great prank me. it's way too it's awful just just disgusting body horror what are you doing di- you're not you're not david cronenberg <laughs> nothing 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 beats his subway pranks I oh mean, my god oh yeah those are i funny. love the fruit loops one i lost oh, the job at fruit loops. i lost <laughs> just my body my, bo- my, my body my body is your communion <laughs> I have nothing. <laughs> no, just... <laughs> oh, fuck it. Yeah, he goes in there with the horse or when he's... Um, oh, yeah. The centaur when... with the cakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just drops. Have you, have, you, have you guys seen the octopus one? Oh, yeah. I am um, the octopus. Uh, Dylan, you gotta watch this. Yeah, I'll share it. It's wild. It's so funny. I'm the I... octopus. It's him and then like um, eight little people are like playing the tentacles. (laughs) And he's just walking around a restaurant saying he's the octopus. (laughs) Truly one of my favorites, though, is when he's a Uh, potato and the guy like crashes his bike and he just walks in dressed as a potato and goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
I'm a potato. I'm a potato. Look at me. I'm literally, what else could I be? I'm a potato. <laughs> People just yelling at him for not helping the guy up on the back. <laughs> and he starts like uh, teabagging the guy. Yeah, teabagging. <laughs> Jesus and, Christ. And throws dollars I, on him. Brad, I think you have the screen share disabled. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, well, I'll just, oh, I'll send a link. Send the link. Let me see this. Because I can't, yeah. If I change that, we got to shut down and uh, lose this great content. Brad, did you see that picture of Velma I sent you really quickly? What? Of, of Vel- Here, I'm going to send it to Brandon too so you can look. It's just like, it's it's real life Velma looking pretty horny at the other pictures of Velma. <laughs> Dude, come on! <laughs> Why? What is this? I don't know. Or, what? What are we? I mean, I get Tucker Carlson this, probably loves that picture. This whole IP craze is it's oh. insane. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! I mean, I get that. Yeah, why not just make your own show? It's I think I was talking to Brian about this a couple of days ago. It was kind of it's kind of weird to me. On um, no, I was talking to my another friend about it, Brian, but I thought it was a good point. It's like you end up having a an IP that people um like, right? So like let's take Lord of the Rings, for example. Um, or like even Star Wars. And like you have these directors who direct those things who are actively trying to annoy the the established fan base. Like there's literal interviews where they're like let's just upset the fan base because that's more fun and my only thing with that is like then what's the point of even making it the ip because the reason you make it star wars is because you already have a grown fan base in there but if your directors and creators are trying to annoy them then you're losing that fan base so then there's actually no benefit anymore to making it part of that that uh you know uh universe i guess i don't know am i talking crazy no you're making sense I mean, it's just a, it's just a cheap way of getting an audience right off the bat, right? Yeah, but the, the thing the, is, the, if you're a <laughs> guy who owns the IP rights or something, the Lord of the Rings recently said that they can turn Lord of the Rings into a franchise just like Star Wars and Marvel. I was like, does that, does anyone Tolkien, want that? The Tolkien estate? Oh, God. I, I don't know if it, it was, it was someone, yeah, I don't know the guy's name, but it was someone yeah, the, who basically had the power to like, to to pursue that if you wanted to. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't. I don't think that the reaction to the Lord of the Rings show has been completely warranted. Don't get me wrong. I don't like it. Not great. <laughs> but I think some people are going so, so, so off the deep end in their online reactions to how bad it really is. And it's not. It's not as bad as people are saying. It's not you know an affront to humanity. Hmm. Uh, I think I haven't watched such it a, yet. It's just such a missed opportunity. They just, it's, yeah, it just, that's, that's it's, just, it's, it's, it's just, it's just, it just seems like it's factory made. That's the thing that pisses me off. There are some good characters in it, some good moments, but it's, it's just such an amazing well to draw from that they're just not utilizing mm. in the right way. Just, I think I think my barber put it best. He complimented it like aggressively saying like it's one of the most beautifully shot show, yeah. shows i've ever watched the production value is is there it's fantastic but the story's awful yep and i was like that I mean, is probably what i was expecting if i were to see, watch it i i wonder how 
those showrunners got that gig. I mean, who they must have had. Aren't they first time I mean, writers too? Yeah, yeah, but no, they 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 were they had writing credits on one of the not so great Star Trek JJ Abrams Star Trek movies. So I think uh, because JJ Abrams, I guess, has a lot of power now. Especially uh, when it comes to um reviving IPs, yeah. rebooting IPs like that. He was like, Oh, these these guys are the next JJ Abrams. That one's Jay, the other one's my Jay. Jay. You know? <laughs> it's Jay. Yeah, he's it's, he's it's made Jay a Jay. He's made a career out of just t- like taking people's films and remaking them. Even as one of his first ones called Joyride, which stars Paul Walker and Steve Zahn, is pretty much a remake of the Steven Spielberg film Duel. It's like about a truck driver that like hunts oh. down these guys in a car, but it's exactly the same movie that Steven Spielberg made for TV in like 72. So oh, this whole career is just taking other people's like ideas and then just like revamping them in some capacity. JJ what about Cloverfield? Is that, is that original or is that found ripping fo- something? Found, found footage movies. I mean, like it's not that original, is it? Well, I, like, I meant, like, I meant the plot. Um, it's kind of Godzilla, dude. <laughs> I guess that's true. Did he even direct Cloverfield? Oh, you know what? I just would looked you, it up. No, he, he didn't. Matt Reeves did. Yeah, he didn't direct. Oh, yeah, I guess he just produced it. Why did I think? Why did I think well, he made it? We're de- we're definitely not even close to there yet. But would you guys ever make like a Marvel or Star Wars or any? IP no. nonsense movie no dude I, I wouldn't i wouldn't want the pressure um <laughs> yeah like you know not I, even that i don't have the desire we haven't even even started to touch base on the the fucking film that we're supposed to be talking we're about. gonna know this is all we're an intro to, this is this the is intro all, this is all the intro dude this is episode one of a, a series of three um <laughs> And I'm sure it may, I would want to hear your opinions on this too, but I feel like the extent of where my filming would want to go ever or like work would be like Bloom, like what is that? It Bloomfield, right? Is that a production company? The horror production Blum company? Blumhouse, 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 Blumhouse. Yeah, Blumhouse or A24 or those types of films, yeah. like in in the a million to ten million dollar range, and like are yeah. really artistically driven but still generate a lot of viewership that to me is like the the, the perfect level of filmmaking that's yeah, that's a great sweet spot i mean sure you're not going to be getting paid 10 20 million dollars to go make a movie but i mean who needs that much money it's <laughs> right i mean it's kind of a... atrocious i also think that <laughs> did you see did you see x the that horror movie by yeah. a24 Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, yeah. a million dollars, right? And they can make a movie like that. I think what A24 right. is like proving is that the it's such a waste to, to throw like $230 million into a film. It's like, you just don't have to do that. I mean, and then the the awful thing about that is if you ever do do a movie like that, you know, you go into nine digit range, <laughs> you're, 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 you're basically setting yourself up to be chopped, right? Yeah. If you if you ever do that and for some reason you mess up, right? You you made something that's not what it's supposed to be, then where do you go from there? Whereas if you're you know making a half mil or a million dollar movies and say you mess up, it's not going to be a career killer usually. So I'd hope. How you don't have to tell us, but where was your budget for like CC? Uh, like fifty k. Fifty k. 
Yeah. That's, I mean, it does oh. show. It, it really does, does show. Yeah. It's, yeah. uh, and yeah. did you guys, how'd you guys Around raise there. that type of money? Did you get a lot of donors or something like, um, cell so phones? I, I, I raised a bunch of it. Uh, I'd won some awards from some, uh, screenplays I'd written in college. That was, that was really great. Um, and then some other people, I mean, some family members chipped in and, uh, yeah, just, uh, raised it family and friends basically. That's a really and, great uh, budget for 16 minute films. Like that's a huge budget. Yeah. 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 I mean, 15, well, technically I think the runtime's 14 minutes and 57 seconds, but what would have been 16 uh, <laughs> if we didn't cut out, it, it would have been 16 if 16 we didn't if cut out <laughs> Cooper. <laughs> Sorry, Cooper. Yeah, Dylan, 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 Dylan saved a part of the movie. I, I had, uh, I had put uh, initially a whole other scene in there with uh, one of our our buddies, Cooper, who's also an executive producer, who also helped uh, raise some money for the film. Actually, uh, kind enough to do that. But yeah, he, uh, we had a scene with him in there. wasn't playing well. wasn't really his fault. It was really mine. So Dylan was like, "All right, dude, cut it." It was painful, but we had to bite the bullet. Was that ever on any of the cuts that I saw? Because I'm trying to remember it. Nope. No, no, yeah, I guess not. It was one of those things where like something can work on the page really well. And then just when you're in your actual editing booth, like it just doesn't, it's not running the way you imagined it or how it should have been done from the page. And, and like, I don't know, I heard a couple of filmmakers talk about this, but this is common knowledge. Like when you get into an editing room, you have to be brutal. You have to yeah. like, look at your work like it wasn't your work and see what what is dragging you down and what is getting you forward and then just like mm. start getting rid of things and i think that that's really really that's the testament of a good director because that's really hard that's like if you've written and directed it you know you don't want to get rid of anything you know right. but you have to yeah. you have to you have to come in there unbiased and just realize like certain things have to go probably Dude, we we uh we redid our entire opening right yeah yeah the order of yeah. the opening is completely different now yeah what was it originally I mean, originally I, I originally originally i think this was even before you came on dylan it was a we had two violinists who were very talented so so talented uh like real violinists that we recorded just playing for a while and we made uh a different original with one of our producers actually who also does some music stuff ben uh, we had made a thing with the violinists playing and some pianists uh, playing at the beginning. It was like a montage type of thing. Wasn't doing anything. <laughs> it was just bad. Hmm. So we, uh, yeah, we went and uh, changed it up and did our little uh, um, ghost piano. hand thing. Yeah, yeah whatever. You want I do like it. that intro a lot. It's re it's really cool. Yeah, yeah dude, that really was. Nice. That was something because I had never edited before this. Like I, I literally, I don't think I had ever really seriously opened up Premiere Pro before February this year, uh, or January ish. But yeah, went in and started seeing things a little differently once you you know how to edit. I mean, dude, I I cannot stress enough to like any kids that I talk to that are still in school how important it is to start learning how to edit in college i mean oh yeah dude it's just it's just something that for some reason so many film schools don't press on you but yeah it's just it, kind of crazy it, it makes you a better writer director everything it's it's like it's a yeah. whole third of it's the a good process. skill to have especially when like when you leave college 
it's and if you're trying to like get seriously into filmmaking it's not like the first things you're going to get are going to be like big budget shit where you only have one job you're most likely it's going to be your own ip and you're going to be like doing it yourself for the most yeah. part so like you you kind of yeah. need to know how to how to put a film together from start to finish i will say that i i do appreciate the european way of looking at editing in school specific specifically how they teach it in school more because I, Brian and I were talking about this last night at dinner, Brandon, like, I think that the issue for me with editing was that I never saw it as an artistic job. I kind of related it more to like the sound guy on set. Like you're just doing a chore. Like the, everything yeah. is shot. Everything is artistically shot. Everything was artistically written and directed. The editor is just in charge of stitching it together. And if you look at editing that way, then you are you're missing out on probably one of the largest pillars of creativity in the filmmaking process because the editor is just like a writer, except now they're doing it with the actual clips instead of doing it with like paper and pen. Right. The, oh, these yeah. guys, like these guys are in, immensely important to how the story is told because the story is completely malleable depending on the edit. And in Europe, they teach you that like a lot of the kids that I've worked with over there, they have a friend of theirs. that's like, no, all I want to be is an editor. And then they link up. And now you have like a director who's like partnered with a guy whose sole love is editing. And those guys work together. And in the States, I feel like they teach you well, yeah, that's kind of just like the afterthought. And that's just not true. Yeah. Like, at all. I mean, look, it's it's a language in and of itself, right? It's 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 a thing you gotta learn. And once you are able to flow with it, then it can really, really, really do wonders or horrors for you, right? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. when everyone's in school, and you know, mostly and anyone wants to be either some sort of DP uh director or writer, right? Very seldom do you have people who just want to be editors. Like I, I remember when people were doing student projects uh, in college and basically the same editors edited everything because they're the only mm -hmm. ones on uh, on campus who were putting in the work and like actually knew how to do it well enough. Right. Um, and there's I the majority of people would never touch an editing booth. Right. Yeah, my, myself, my, myself, inc myself included, really. It wasn't <laughs> yeah, until I mean, it's, actually. It's daunting to think about if you don't know what you're doing. Oh, yeah. I, I remember I, the only reason I even started playing around with it was uh, before we made CC Sonata, Cooper and I actually made a teaser for a show we were going to maybe be doing with uh, some NFL players. And I mean, that that eventually fell apart because, you know, NFL players don't have the most <laughs> um, interest usually in making movies, but uh, or the acting chops, or the acting chops. But um, yeah, I mean, literally played around an iMovie with it, and even iMovie at first seemed like a chore. Um, but yeah, any anyone who wants to learn how to edit can like pretty pretty quickly if they put their mind to it. I mean, there's so many free resources out there youtube nowadays yeah youtube is oh my god youtube i i would wager to say that there are like there's this guy jack cole who i i, I must have like a 10 20 hour video um on how to use adobe premiere and that guy literally taught me himself how to edit from you gotta from have scratch. the patience you gotta have the patience to go through those things though but i feel like the yeah. i don't mm -hmm. know i never i never went down that that line of uh film like classes in my school because i wasn't actually in the film program but 
they start teaching editing in like the production class. And when you do that, you're pretty much just accompanying, accompanying editing with like filmmaking and writing. And like, instead of giving it its own dedication as its own craft. Right. So it, it eventually feels like, okay, this is just one of the many chores of putting together your own project. And again, like such a, such a waste because editing is one of those things where literally anything is possible. We were talking about this yesterday at dinner is like, if you can imagine it in an editing booth, like you can do it yeah. like you mm -hmm. visual effects wise, or just like comping wise, everything is possible. You can make it that, however you want. I mean, that's, yeah. that's why we, that's why we make movies, right? We can make the impossible come to life. Right. Absolutely. But uh, I, mean, I mean, just your project, just, just as a, just as an example is like the whole beginning changes. So we like narrowed down and it's not even crazy things we did. We just like said, Oh, this might be a, play better here and that might play better there to like drive that story forward you know i mean it's and that's just a, it's, it that's it's all just a, we have to just, do it's just about being open right open to ideas i mean so many people go into the process so pigheadish right True. you know you're 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 like a so many directors are like a bull where they're they know their way needs to be exactly how they see it and anyone else who thinks otherwise oh to hell with you right I mean, I think that's that's so ridiculous and stupid and so many levels. It's I mean, you need to listen to anyone and everyone. Right. Like, I mean, I, Dylan, I know you weren't on set, but when we were on set, I can't tell you how I mean. How many different people had opinions on stuff, but you still got to listen, hear them out, you know, it's and it's great. Well, if, you, if you actually yeah. if you if you actually like listen to what your crew members have to say in any capacity, they're there to help. Like they're not trying to sabotage your movie. They want to make it better. I mean, especially if you do it right, people will start caring about the project and, you know, in, in, a, in a sense, think of it as their own work. Right. So when that happens, you got to let them have flow. You got to let them be free and uh, feel like if they th think they need to speak up about something, they feel that they can. And that's when I think real great, creativity can come into play because you can literally have a production assistant who notices something, right? Yeah. Who, tell someone, tell an AD, tell even the director, who knows? Yeah. It could be, it, it could be, could be something that no one else was thinking about or seeing. I mean, um, it's, it's, I, I remember, I think that was the thing that I was, cause I'd never directed before this, but that was the thing I'd worked on a bunch of student films and stuff in college that was the thing that always kind of pissed me off is that it always seemed like the director wouldn't let people talk to them was like uh you know completely in their own head it's like dude it's a, it's a collaborative process the whole thing is every step of the way absolutely man i think mm -hmm. that just that just strengthens your credibility as a director mm -hmm. that you listen to all the people and you understand that people are going to have expertise on things that's why you hire them you can't just do, do it yeah. all <clears throat> Right. The, the yeah, people, the people who worked, alone. the people who worked on this project were far more skilled than I am. You know? That's the that's the smartest way to work. Yeah, you know? true. Yeah, because you can tell them what you want to do, and they, they yeah. can most likely do it. How exactly. did you like? So uh, we haven't talked about this, but this is definitely something I want to bring up. You have a lot of high profile like people that uh, you attach to this. You know, yeah. and I'm just curious if you want to talk a little bit about how you got all that in there, because like that was really. 
it wasn't a selling point for me. The selling point was that like, if I'm totally honest, when we chatted, the selling point was I didn't have a job. So I needed a job and <laughs> you had already cut a bunch of the film together. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be great. Like whenever I would come on to an editing project, if I have to do the assembly cuts myself, like if I have to go through all of the footage myself and like find the best takes, that's the most grueling part of the process. Like you, you want to hire someone to help you do that. Once you have yeah. that together, it's like, okay, where do we fix things and make it a little bit better? That's the more fun part of editing. So when you showed me that you did on a bunch of it, I was like, Oh dude, yeah, hundred percent. I'm coming on to help out. Man. I, I, I wonder if we still have, uh our first first assembly cut that would be funny if i if i can find it I'll, I'll send it to you after this but uh wow yeah that was different but yeah um, so how'd you get all these pro, these high profile yeah, names so bro? so one guy in particular tim philo uh helped massively so he is actually he was the cinematographer for evil dead with sam Raimi. um uh, back in the day wow. he yeah yeah great great guy i mean he helped in so many so 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 many ways um he's a good family friend of ours because his wife uh you know funny enough was the roommate of my mom growing um in college so wow yeah we had uh, always been family friends and i came to him and with this little script and was like, Hey, I'm trying to make this into a movie. Can you help? Do you want to maybe like do me a favor and shoot it? And he actually had was going into surgery when I did that. Yeah. I think he had double knee replacement. Oh, wow. Um, so instead of actually doing it himself, um, you know, he connected me with some people who could potentially be interested in DPing and whatnot. And then I just, he basically opened up, he was, he graciously opened up his network of people around uh, the tri-state area uh, that he had built uh, over the years of working in the industry. And I uh, talked to some of them and they would talk to people. I mean, look, if you, if you come across as basically not a dick <laughs> to most people. <laughs> the opposite um, of a dick. I wonder what that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, if you just people are going to be nice. And if they start to care about the project, they're going to want to bring on people that they trust and who, if you're, you know, talking to the right people, good people work with good people quite often. And, you know, it's just like, it starts as a little seed and then grows into a massive, you know, tree branches everywhere going, uh, going and connecting to different places. So, yeah, I mean, I look, I got crazy, crazy lucky with uh, the crew that I was able to get, especially for the prices, you know, I was able to get people at, um, it was amazing. And they were all so beyond incredible. I mean, so technically talented, but more than that, you know, I believe everyone who has worked on the project thus far has been a genuine good person. And it just made for a really great collaborative uh, environment whenever people were working together, which, as not as you guys know is not always the case in this industry absolutely um, yeah. and uh so yeah i mean a lot of it were people that i had never met before but who i'm now really close with and you know it's been such an amazing process it's uh and then harbor picture uh also just completely <laughs> blew us away with what they've been able to do for us as well yeah man yeah they've yeah. really came clutch did a lot of like some post uh like just post like 
bump ups for any visual effects stuff. And just also the color grade alone is just really, really nice. Yeah. Your, your composer was kicked it out. Oh, of the park, Ed, dude. Ed, 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 Ed Castle was, Ed, Ed Castle was fantastic. I mean, absolutely. Especially cause you have a, you have a music background, right? So like yeah. I, I cannot like understand that music is a very important part of that and that you're going to be very specific on what it sounds like and how you want it to play out. So it's good that we found that guy. Cause the first guy you had was, not uh, let's not talk about <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 you know, we won't, we'll talk about we'll talk about ed let's talk about let's talk about ed talk about ed, 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 ed it was great uh no so, no, ev- so ed, every ed, part every part of the film like even when cc was like playing the piano that that's ed or no not the so, end not the end oh no 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 yeah 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 so actually we re-recorded a lot of the piano because the piano just wasn't sounding great i guess like the exact piano that we used on set was a little bright uh and so we actually went and re-recorded all the piano uh in oh, wow. studio um which made the world of a difference and that's not to say that tom bergen our uh boom op guy did a bad job or anything he was great tom bergen our uh boom op it's just hard to get operator. actual yeah 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 it was it was it was getting raw fault. audio like that in like an auditorium uh, and whatnot exactly so yeah it wasn't his fault it was literally more so just the piano and the sound of the piano and how it was playing with the rest of the soundscape we were creating so we went and redid it um mm-hmm. and and graciously was fine with doing that you know i mean so many again ed included so many people did threw me such massive bones uh in terms of our budgetary restraints and they just really fell in love with the project so they wanted to do what they could to make it better i mean i i had ed emailing me multiple times a day sometimes you know asking if we could do this or this or this just to improve things a little more you know when we were in the mix and it was it was awesome he drove on down to uh you know across new jersey <laughs> to come for some of the mixing sessions just to here because he, he he became invested in it. and then tim philo was also there you know tim ended up being uh a massive help on set and in posts as well i mean he's he's really really been one of my guiding hands in this whole process um very much up there with any sort of uh, uh you know mentor figure i've had in this industry and then mike doyle our, our cinematographer he really knocked it out of the park. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember he uh, he he, off, he he initially quoted me a rate, but then we got into the project and started doing it, and he basically halved that rate. And I was like, <laughs> Mike, stop it! No, you are doing so much for us already. Like you're, we're paying you your rate. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just like when you have people doing stuff like that, you know, it's it's really it's really special, um, and I feel so grateful. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's got that moment must have been awesome though. Just knowing that like your project is, is resonating with somebody that, that you're hiring to help you get it done to the point where like they would have their rate, you know, like it, it, it means, it sounds like it means just as much, almost as much to them as it does to you, like to get this done, you know, and that's, that's always, always, that's such, always, I, cool. that's gotta be, it's always yeah. a great feeling. Yeah. That's yeah. gotta be crazy because I feel like, you know, I dabble in some writing, but I haven't done it in a long time. But I feel like the biggest, the biggest thing about writing that's really scary is like you just get so worked into your own project that you just don't know if it's really resonating only with you or with other people. You know, yeah. so even the awards, even the awards that you won for like screenplays, like that's just such reaffirming stuff. But then like past that to like you can win awards and things and still 
like it doesn't go anywhere. Like we've talked with filmmakers who've literally won massive festivals and like, it does, it's great. It's so reaffirming, but it doesn't mm. really like propel you as forward as you'd think. And then like, if you have people though, that are willing to just work on the project because they see the value in it. Like, I can't mm. imagine how, how, yeah, that must make you feel so happy and appreciative for those people. You know? I mean, yeah, I'm incredibly so. I mean, basically everyone who's worked on it has reached out to me at one point or another saying that they want, if we're going to make it into future, they definitely want to be a part of it. I mean, I, we had multiple, you know, vets in the industry who actually brought their kids onto set to come and assist in some capacity for free because they just wanted them to see how I was working and, and how everyone else on set was working because there were so many people who were just in sync with one another, you know, in a really good flow and who were taking care of one another. Right. I remember, I'm not going to say who, but one or, um, this is the moment I was most proud of, um, in the whole filmmaking process was when we were on set, I think it was our sixth day of shooting. Uh, yeah, six, six last day of shooting. Um, we were already a little behind schedule because some people were arriving late. And then one of our crew members, uh, they were carrying some stuff in the back of their van and they made a sharp turn and their, their lights flew out of their car, you know, destroyed their back windows. And right then and there, I spent the next hour and a half, two hours making sure that they were taken care of, stopped everything, even though we were on a time limit and people were being paid, right? Like, went out and made sure that they got their car repaired, that everyone was okay, all that stuff. Um, and yeah, because of that, everyone decided that toward the end of the night, they were fine with staying overtime and till who knows how long, you know? And um, yeah, just made me feel good to know that people genuinely respond well to you actually caring about them as humans and not just as tools right to, to help make your movie you know yeah. it's uh when you when you and that was like the first time that i had ever that i realized like oh like we actually created an environment here where people feel like they're actually in, in such a short amount of time too you know part of a team and that's like such a cliche but it really means a lot right you become when you yeah. yeah you become a family it's i feel yeah. like a good a good film crew always feels like summer camp like, yeah. like it, cause you're seeing each other every day. You're seeing each other for like so many hours, you know, and it's really working together. Like if you're in an office job, yeah, you see everybody every day, but you, you could just sit at your desk, you know, and just not work together. Like a film crew needs to engage the whole time, you know, and it works better when everyone feels like they're, they're hanging out with friends or like, mm -hmm. like, you know, in a, in a summer camp sort of a fam familial environment. How long did the yeah. whole how long did the whole thing take you from writing to, to completion? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> too I, long, I, I guess. Um, yeah, too long. I mean, as you as Dylan, as you know, I I had initially written this as a feature yep. um last summer because I had written a bunch of screenplays in college and um talked to some people about them and everyone in the industry I talked to said, these are way too expensive to make right now for you. <laughs> uh, so I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to try and write one that can be made for cheap. And then that was even too expensive for someone like me to make. Um, and I never really wanted to direct before that. But as I was writing, I was like, huh, I don't think anyone else is really going to get this. 
like I'm getting this as I'm writing it. And I started to see it in a different way than I'd ever seen, you know, a screenplay before prior to writing that mm-hmm. in the eight or in the eight or nine that I'd written before that one. And so I decided to actually Cooper had the idea <laughs> of uh, making a little scene from it, you know, just to see if I can direct. Uh, and, and that was this scene. Nope. <laughs> well, initially, it was just going to be a scene. But then I was like, you know what? I'm going to try and actually, if we're going to sh- pay some money to make a scene or two, right, might as well make it a coherent story. And then it kind of mm-hmm. ballooned from there and yeah, uh, developed into uh, an actual, I mean, initially there was a, there was a homeless car- man who was a, a Remember major you character. Me, yeah. There was like, it was very different. Um, but uh, yeah, um, we ended up reworking it so much that it became its own thing that hopefully can stand on its own two legs and then now has (laughs) led to me deciding to completely rewrite the first draft (laughs) for the the feature i mean i think it's in hindsight the best thing i could have done um if i want to direct in my career is to make this short before if even if i had the opportunity to have made a feature you know I mean, just being able to work through some of the kinks in it and uh, to really whittle it down to the nuts and bolts. It's um, it's tighter. And people like Dylan have come on and taught me a lot about how you can. Yes. Uh, <laughs> about how you can, uh, you know, make a tighter script. And uh, I, just learning from people like him, Luigi in the editing room is and then actually being able to direct on set, you know, it's changed the way that I approach writing something now drastically. Uh, so it's, I mean, yeah, who knows how long it's taken. It's probably been about uh, 14, 15 months thus far in total, at least. But the majority of it's literally just been me learning, <laughs> you know, well, I gotta say for oh, a go good, ahead. a good project will, will only improve you for the next one. And if yeah, you don't yeah. learn, if you don't learn anything new or take anything away from it, then it was just kind of a waste of your time in some capacity. It's yeah. um, I got to say, though, for a debut, like directorial, like, you know, short film, it's really high caliber. It's really like I don't want to. Absolutely. Compare, I don't want to compare it to any of the other projects that we've been working on this year. But I could I could definitely say for Brian and I that I'm very, very proud to be a part of it because it's such a it's such an awesome film to showcase. It looks mm-hmm. so great and it looks so high quality and the story's great. And um, yeah, I feel like when, like when people tell me that they want to do a short that will eventually become a feature, like that's pretty much everybody wants to do that. But there once in a while you see like a, a, somebody who like puts together a short that's like, damn, I wish there was more of that vibe. And like, that's definitely this short. So like really congrats, man, on this, like it being your first one is just crazy. Yeah, um, seriously. Uh, thank you. Yeah. What's, no, I mean, what, what are you up to with it now? You're, uh, you're submitting to some festivals. Do you guys like have a website for it to be viewed yet? What's the whole plan there? Yeah, no, we're, we're getting all that stuff set up. Um, <clears throat> we've applied to three festivals now, but we're going to be setting up. <clears throat> well, sorry. <laughs> But we're going to be setting up uh, ways to see it when the time comes, right? Mm-hmm. It's um, hopefully we get in somewhere. Hopefully that happens. But at the end of the day, it's not like you said, uh, make or break type of thing, right? It's just uh, 
it's the type of thing where when it's ready to be viewed by anyone, which it basically is now, <laughs> um, we need to see if we're able to just have it publicly viewed because I don't think we can just put it up there before getting it into festivals, right? You can't have it just be floating around on depends YouTube or on, anything. Depends, yeah, it depends, depends on the festival. festival. Yeah. The one, some of the ones I've been reading their rules into have been frowning upon that, but we can, we have a trailer now. I don't know if you watched the new trailer I sent you, Dylan, but, um, yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. But I mean, we can post that. <laughs> we can see what happens with that. Right. I mean, we will, we absolutely <laughs> will. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah. So, and I mean, also Liana, by the way, our, uh, lead actor, phenomenal need to give her a shout out. Mm, uh, oh yeah she was great yeah really yeah. great if we do another yeah. podcast episode you should definitely have her on yeah i i uh, told her to come on to this one but she uh unfortunately she's in spain right now for her birthday oh oh she's in spain for oh, her birthday sad. oh i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> poor her <laughs> um all right man well then we'll just make sure that people are on the lookout for when it is publicly released and you know like where they can get more information on that stuff but yeah, yeah well, man our website will have it when the time is right yeah, yeah absolutely yeah so. i think i think early 20 hopefully if we get into a festival early 2023 after it premieres then of course we can work out where we're gonna post it online and uh maybe hey who knows hopefully we can maybe even get it on something like uh you know netflix and all those things they have shorts right <laughs> yeah, yeah short sections so for sure there's actually a who bunch knows? of different streaming sites as well for dedicated to shorts and stuff so like um yeah. Yeah, look into black pills. Black pills is like specifically for for shorts. But uh, do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to? <laughs> do you want to say which festivals you submitted to before we sign off? Or no, you want to keep them a surprise until you get into them. Don't yeah, build we'll, the hype. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it a surprise. We'll, we'll sweet see. man. Well, <laughs> don't want to. Don't don't want to. Don't want to hype ourselves up too much. Uh, we'll be happy to announce those surprises when good things come absolutely and dude i'm very much looking forward to working on this feature that i know you're going to be able to make so absolutely yeah, yeah dude uh, it's, very excited it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be great i mean look it's it'll be a long road ahead but it'll be one filled with uh, a lot of fun hopefully dude i'm i'm absolutely. just i'm just excited to get onto a project where i can like build the post workflow like before it's already like <laughs> on like my nerdy side gets so excited like nothing, oh i get to design it <laughs> nothing nothing gets still and going like a good workflow yeah seriously. Nothing, seriously dude it's my favorite thing but in our own tv show i was acting in that thing and yet the workflow was the thing i kept trying to show my my collaborators like dude look how clean it is yeah, he kept calling me about it i'm like dude i don't know what the hell you're talking about <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I can't I, see it. I, I I swear it must have been like 10 or 15 times before he actually showed it to me. He would just start ranting about his workflow. Oh, and then, I love and then, it and then, so and, much. Then I'd, and then I'd ask him to see it. And he'd be like, no, no, I'm not ready. Not, not ready. Not ready, ready. Not ready. <laughs> After festivals, I'll show you. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, sorry. That's like my that's like my real like thing. I love the workflow. I love all the I love the producing part of it. So, yeah. Well, all right. It. Thank you, bro. <laughs> Um, dude, thanks so much for talking to us about yeah. this. It's really oh, fun. No. It was great it's having you on, Brandon. Yeah, I know it's been great. So, and yeah, everyone, uh, be on the lookout for CC Sonata. Yeah, man. 2023. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh.